Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you download that Odyssey app. You get all the episodes first. Leave a five-star review while you're at it. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. And Kyle, today's pod is brought to you by what feels like Christmas morning. The NBA finals are over. We don't have to watch that dreck of a series anymore. And we can all get to the good stuff. The rumors, we'll see what happens with trades, free agency, so I feel I feel rejuvenated. I feel excited. I haven't talked to you in a while, so I miss you. So it, it's it's good to be back on the uh, on the pod to talk about the real things people care about. I'm just I I can't believe we're gonna start this podcast with you just refusing to step away from this take uh, that you're gonna die on this hill after the. Well, I die on a lot of takes, Kyle. You, played out the way that they did, but. You know, let's let's just get right into it. Go for it. What do you have to say for yourself? Okay, so here's my thing with the finals. Not every final is some epic, like, look how amazing this is. What a great finals. And I actually think everyone pretending that this Denver ring means something diminishes the rings of other people. We were all here in 2017 and saw the Eagles ring. And I'm not making this a Philadelphia thing. It's just the ring I experienced, right? That ring was special. It was, there was, they had the backup quarterback. They got tested in the first round. The the Super Bowl was an epic shootout where they got tested. This Nuggets team did not get tested. They were not tested the entire way. And it's not because they're clearing away the best team in the NBA. It's because they didn't have to play anybody. They played nobody on their path to the uh to, to the final. They played uh, you already plays. just brought up a Super Bowl run where they beat fucking Case Keenum in the NFC. Yeah, but they Championship beat Tom game. Brady and Brady and Bill Belichick in the so, final. Yeah, but you're talking about the run and the lead up to it. It's like but they played the Case Keenum at that home. Year? Weren't the Vikings a two seed or something like that? They were not in Case seed. Keenum as the quarterback in the NFC Championship. Right. They're like, who cares? But what, the point, who cares? Right. But, I mean, you're focusing on one of the four games. I'm saying the Super Bowl. Regardless, the point I'm making is— And they is, barely beat Matt oh, Ryan. Like, like what, yeah, what are and they talking got tested. about here? They got tested. That's the point I'm making. We never saw this Nuggets team get tested. We never did. They they played trash opponents, and they blew them out. And props to them for that. But for people to be on Twitter and, you know, acting like this was some great finals and watching Denver play, blah, 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 it's fine. Not all rings are created the same. What I, Someone said it uh, in the media. I forget. Some, wing, some rings weigh more than others. The Warriors uh, ring last year was impressive. It was another one to add to the dynasty. They did it as underdogs. It was a fun run to watch them do it. The Nuggets, it, it was, like, it's fine. It's not a finals I'm ever going to remember. It doesn't make me think the Nuggets are way better than the Sixers. It certainly doesn't make me think Embiid is better than Jokic. It was a fine series. It was like, I'm happy it's over. We can all move on. But I think all this stuff on Twitter and all these Sixers fans being like, hopefully this you know motivates Embiid and he's not loser and Jokic is so much better and and Jokic cared about the real MVP and you know Embiid only cared about the regular season MVP. I think it's reactionary. I think it's too much in the moment. The Sixers were, in my opinion, just as good, if not better, than the Nuggets this year for the entire regular season. I think Embiid had a better who regular. Cares? Season. Like who? Well, but like it matters. It's the largest sample. It doesn't. Size. It doesn't. Okay. Go ahead. Like. What matters are the eventually you can't just like this was the reason that people got so mad about the process, right? It's like at a certain point, you do have to care about the results. Like we can sit here and be like, well, they had a better record. They did this, they did that. Who fucking cares? They didn't show up when it mattered. They 
absolutely cratered in the games and the series that mattered. The Nuggets did not. Nikola Jokic, who you have tried to compare to Ben Simmons, Simmons, just became the first player in the history of the NBA to lead the entire playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. He just averaged 30 points a game for the playoffs, shooting Mm -hmm. better than 50% from the field and 46% from three. That guy just had one of the most dominant postseason runs in the history of the league. Like Going back to when... They played with a peach basket. Like, I mean, <laughs> like we're talking about Dolph Shays type dominance. Right. When he's playing against like a bunch of plumbers and electricians yeah, and all kinds well, of other no, stuff. Like, people, yeah. I don't care about how easy was the path, how mm-hmm. tough was the path. Like we can compare it and say, yeah, this was an easier path than so-and-so. And But like some of that is because – you were saying going into the playoffs, like oh, Phoenix might be the favorite at some point. Mm-hmm. They made Phoenix look like a joke because well, they were just much hurt. better than them. But Chris Dude, Paul got Chris. Hurt. Chris Paul's a hundred years old. He's gonna I'm get hurt. Saying, like, that's the whole thing. One of their best players, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant had unbelievable offensive series, and they got washed away because yeah. they were not a good enough team. All I'm saying, like, it's a bunch of revisionist stuff. If LeBron. And AD had come in and looked like LeBron and AD in the Nuggets series. Everyone would have mocked Jokic and mocked the Nuggets. Oh, they're not a real team. This is what a real star looks like. They kicked the shit out of that team. Mm -hmm. They handled their business. Were they fortunate in the finals to get a Heat team that got there largely because, one, Kevin Love hurt Giannis by sliding under him in the first round and then shooting a billion percent from three? Yes, they're probably lucky to play, but like every champion – deals with some degree of luck and they took advantage of the luck they created for themselves, which was getting the one seed in the West again in a weaker conference we can concede that, but they still got the one seed and they had built themselves enough of a cushion that they fucked around for like a month or a month and a half and didn't even really matter. Like that's, that's how far out in front of everybody in the West they were. And that probably should have given us an indication that, yeah, they're just, that much better than the rest of their conference. I'm just not going to sit here and like tear down their title. They, they earned it. They went out there and they played really well. They're two best player, like total team effort. They got Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, all these guys who stepped up, but like end of the day, this was about Jokic being the best player in the playoffs. And he had nuggets fans were saying once Jamal is healthy, once these guys are back, it's going to be different. And it was. They went and won the title. They get their respect. They get their just due. Now Jokic can be declared the best player in the league undisputably. That's I do period. not think Jokic is the best player in the league. I just flat out don't. I just don't. Like to, to well, your point what, about, what else would you need to see for him? I to, want to see him get tested. I want to see him beat a good team. <laughs> I want to see when, when it's game seven, he's playing a good opponent to like outduel somebody and actually beat someone of significance. To your point about the Suns. I agree the Suns were the best win that they had as a series. And when I look at the series that they played and I say to myself, who would the Sixers, how would the Sixers have fared? The Sixers would have beaten the Timberwolves. I believe the Sixers would have beaten the Lakers. And I do believe they would have beaten the Heat. The Suns are the one team where I can go, I could see it, but I still think with the Chris Paul injury, they would have. So for me to say that Jokic is the best player in the league, I just, I don't see it. I think other players are better. And I know that now, obviously with his resume, two MVPs, a final MVP. He is building that resume. I can't take that away from him. He is going to go down as one of the top 
50 players, you know, he might even already be ahead of that. But he, he's he already on, in the top. He could be as high as like top 25. Yeah, maybe. Look at, he might look at the resume. Off of his resume. I, I agree with that. The resume puts him in that conversation. I just like, I think people react to, to your point about how they were able to mess around for the last month of the season. If they were in the East, they wouldn't have been able to do that. And the Sixers, for what it's worth, had to play a better team in the second round than the Nuggets played, in my opinion, the entire path to the finals. Would the Nuggets have beaten the Celtics? Maybe. I think the Nuggets are good. Like, I'm not saying the Nuggets are not a good team. They were the number one seed in the West. They were obviously a good team. But I think that throughout going into the playoffs, throughout the regular season, we would have probably ranked the Bucks, the Celtics, and frankly, the Sixers ahead of them. So what happened? The Nuggets got... They got breaks. And to your point, all champions get luck. But there's a difference between the Eagles getting the ball, bouncing off Keanu Neal's knee and capitalizing on that and getting three of four teams that were in the play-in tournament. So Nuggets fans can enjoy the ring. They got it. I'm happy for Nuggets fans. But, like, this isn't an all-time great team. I don't think it's an all-time great playoff performance by Jokic because he didn't really go against anybody of significance. And it doesn't make me feel like he's way better than Embiid. It doesn't make me feel like the Sixers are far away. If anything, I walk away from this series encouraged because if you look at the Nuggets, they're a team that had a ton of playoff failure, much like the Sixers have. Getting, you know, getting knocked out in the first round. Getting swept. Jokic getting thrown out of games. All those things. Murray suffering from injuries. But they stuck together. And they kept continuity. So I think from a Sixers perspective, if you want to look at at what they can learn from the Nuggets in this ring, it's that I think sticking together and having, I mean, Jokic has had the same head coach, the same co-star, and a lot of the same role players his entire career, at least this last, you know, three to four years. Embiid's never had that. Embiid has had a ton of turnover besides head coach. He has had Doc, but he had Brett Brown earlier in his career. So I do think one takeaway for the Sixers and for Sixers fans from this uh, Nuggets run is not that the Nuggets are filled with winners and the Sixers are filled with losers. It's that if you continually get in, you keep the same uh, players around them, you build continuity, you'll catch breaks and you'll break through. So that that's my kind of like main takeaway from this in terms of how Sixers fans should feel. Yeah, it would also help to have star players who show up in, in important games too, which the but, Sixers but, haven't had. But, yeah, but no, you like you've done yeah. this whole thing throughout the playoffs where it's like, well, Jamal Murray's their most important player, their best player, whatever. Well, Jamal Murray has a history of showing up in the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, I agree like, with that. In the bubble was great. During this playoff run was great. Where is James Harden's run of success in the playoffs that we can point to and say, I can count on that guy like Jokic mm-hmm. could count on Jamal Murray or flip it around. When can we say Joel Embiid in the second round? Man, what a series he's had. Never happened. It's never happened before. So like we can I agree. I agree, I agree with you on the fact that like continuity and these things like takes time. And sometimes, yes, it is just a matter of you gotta wait until the stars align and you stick with a coach, you stick with certain players that people would have maybe wanted to trade and so on and so forth. But also the Nuggets did that when Jokic was at his physical prime, as well as Jamal Murray. The Sixers are going to be doing that with if they do if they take the continuity route. James Harden's in his mid thirties. Joel mm-hmm. Embiid's going to be thirty next season. And what are, we're going to wait like four years of continuity for Joel to be like 31, 32 years old? Harden's in his late thirties and breaking down essentially because you know. We all know what his off-court lifestyle is, and eventually the rubber meets the road when it comes to your durability. Like, 
I don't know, man. That just doesn't seem like it's a, that doesn't make me more positive about the Sixers. It makes me think that the last, you know, half decade or so, as they've been shuffling through these different teams around Joel, it would have helped to just have any kind of, any semblance of consistency around him. And that the mistakes that they made might have taken the title window that could have been there away. I mean, we can't say for sure, right? If they get the right mix of guys around Joel, I agree. I still think there's a chance that he's a good enough player that they can turn that into something that Nick Nurse can be inventive enough to... We saw the the difference that Eric Spolstra made during this playoff run, and that's great. That's something that you would hope... I don't think Nick Nurse is Spolstra, but I think he's a good coach, and I think that shows you how far a coach can take even a team with a bunch of undrafted guys, a guy, bunch of guys on that team who weren't very good most mm-hmm. of the season. So, yes, there are positive takeaways, but it's also like at some point, man, you got to show something in the playoffs. Even last year, you're talking about how great the Warriors run was. Well, they went through Denver, who was all banged up outside of Jokic last mm-hmm. season. And Jokic put up insane numbers against a much better team in that series. That guy, there's never been an excuse for his individual performance in the playoffs. And I've said that his defense wasn't good enough in the past, but just his production throughout his playoff career has been undeniable. And now he has that to combine with an actual ring and a long postseason run. Joel and James have neither of those things. Neither of them have either won a title or been a big time producer throughout the duration of the playoffs. So the onus is on them to prove to you, to me, to everybody else that they can actually be those players when it counts. So I can't fight back on that. Jokic has something and B does not. And it's not just the ring. Obviously the ring is the result of this, but Jokic has a playoff run that Embiid does not have. And that is something Embiid is going to have to deal with. It is something when t- comparing the two, frankly, I'm going to be on an island still sticking up for Embiid. But nationally, there will be no more debate. Everybody will say Jokic is better. And Embiid's going to have to deal with that. I just like, I, let me, all right, two, two questions for you. One, if you put Embiid on the Nuggets, do you think they still win the title? No. Why not? Jokic is fundamental to how that team works. It'd be like... You can't just drop Jokic on any other team and say, oh, well, they're definitely going to win a title. I think you could argue they'd have a better chance because he has shown he's a more playoff-resistant player. But I just think you look at how that series was won. Miami tried so many different things to stop Mm -hmm. Jokic. And I think that's the reason that you have to just like give it up to this guy. You double him. He finds the open man. You single cover him. He's just putting somebody through the stanchion and scoring. I mean, his efficiency is off the charts. And I think one thing that I probably took for granted for too long was his ability to rebound and then push a break without turning the ball over. Because, look, Joel can do that from time to time, right? We've seen him, especially before uh, James showed up, the year that Ben decided to throw a hissy fit and not play basketball anymore. Before he showed up, there was a lot of Joel going coast to coast, leading fast breaks and doing that stuff. But it's not as natural or as fluid as it is for Jokic. He's not as good of a decision maker in transition, certainly not as a passer. And I think that part of it where they turn 
and opponents miss into two points, three points as easily as they do, and that they can initiate that through their big man, that is a transformational skill that he has. Like add that on top of all the stuff that he does as a half court player, he just unlocks so much for them on offense. And I think that's probably, I can see, I still look, I still care about the defense stuff. One, it didn't matter in the playoffs. And two, when you're as good offensively as Denver was during that postseason run, like that was one of the best. If you go by the numbers, it's one of the best offensive postseason runs ever. Mm -hmm. The defense just doesn't matter at that point because your defense is set so often that teams can't really do anything. Like they can't attack you on the break or break, break you down because of your disadvantages with speed or athleticism or whatever, because you can always get back and sit in your shell. Like that to me is something that I not realized during the playoffs, but I think I learned to appreciate more watching them throughout this postseason run. So my next question for you would be what opponent that the nuggets beat, do you think like wh- how do you think the Sixers would have fared if they were handed that same postseason path? How do you think they would have done? They would have lost in the second round. They, <laughs> they would have they lost to Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. You think so? I, there's no doubt in my mind. I, wow. I mean, I, I what have we seen that we think that Joel Embiid and James Harden are beating Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? Yeah, but how much of their years? how much of the playoff failures against the Celtics do you think? I guess this is the core of the question. Do you think the the playoff failure against the Celtics was them or the Celtics? Because Harden did have two really good games. They had an awesome game five. And look, they choked in game seven. That like there's no game. And in game six, they blew game six too. And yeah, I agree with that. But so how much of that though do you think was the Celtics versus the Sixers? Because for me, frankly, a lot of my hope and belief and argument is based on I think they played a way better opponent than Denver did. But it seems who, that a that way better work. opponent that they lost to Miami, who then yeah, lost but we to saw Denver. that Miami series. The Celtics shot really poorly. The Heat shot like we we saw how that played out. I mean, do you think the set the Heat are a better team than the Celtics? No, but they beat them. Right. Like that's no, but, the whole right, point. But, that's the whole point. Like the Sixers are a much better team than Miami. They still lost to Boston. They had the MVP of the league. They have mm-hmm. a top seventy-five all-time player. They have an ascending player in Tyrese Maxey. They have P.J. Tucker who kicked their ass in the playoffs a season prior and showed up for Game 7, made a bunch of threes in the first half of Game 7 to try to keep them in the game when their star players are vomiting all over them. Yeah, when they were terrible. I just – I don't want to hear the excuses, man. Like the thing that some people are holding on to is like, oh, Doc Rivers is out of there now. They have a real coach and this and that. And sure, like I think a different coach might be able to make a difference. But you can't sit here and, and just make excuse after excuse after excuse for these guys. Because, yes, if you put them in that other conference and had that exact same run, do you think do you think honestly that they would have beaten Phoenix? So that's the one opponent I I like I think they would beat, but I can't say confidently. I definitely think they would have beaten Minnesota. And frankly, I definitely think they would have beaten the Lakers. The Suns thing is interesting because to your point, Durant and Booker do go off. And do I trust Embiid and Harden to go off and to outduel them the way that Murray and Jokic did? That I don't know. And that is a good question. But I do think they would have had a better chance of beating the Suns than they did the Celtics. But So all I'm saying is just reverse the conferences. Put Denver in the East. 
and we're, we would be sitting here and saying, well, the Sixers had to play this really tough team in the second round. They lost to Kevin Rand and well, Devin Booker. And be, I don't know if I'd be saying that. It'd be that, the but... same bullshit, man. Like, again, I can appreciate that. I think, honestly, the big takeaway watching these playoffs, and this is – I've kind of been on this island for a while. We should eliminate the three-point line again. I'm going back. Oh, wow. Jeez, man. I'm, 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 been, I'm the takes, man. Look at that. No, Coming in hot. Tweet that bad boy. My, Miami's run was essentially just they shot a million percent from yeah, three. Yeah, I agree. They shot a million threes. And we look at all these big comebacks. Like that's the reason there have been so many big comebacks over the last couple of years because the entire league has now embraced the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And most games, like it's always been make or miss league and – that's an explanation for a lot of things that coaches default to rightly or wrongly sometimes, but it really has become such a boring way to, I can get in the weeds and break down tape and do all kinds of stuff. Most nights it's just, well, how many threes did they get up and how many did they make? It's like, you can boil the game down to that simple of a thing. And to me, that's bad for the product. And if you get rid of like, let's say they start incrementally and they get rid of the corner three. You just essentially extend the three-point line out to the sidelines. And right. I think that alone makes a big difference because you're still going to get value from having shooters on the floor, right? You still can have a guy in the corner that if you leave open is going to make an open shot. But by making that such a huge value shot that guys don't have to do absolutely anything except for stand there and wait to shoot, like that's just... That's bad, man. The fact that Miami, who again was not a good team all season, just goes on this heater and and makes the finals. That to me is not why I want to watch basketball. I want to see different types of teams rewarded instead of this is the team that shot. It's essentially basketball's version of, of course, in hockey where they get the hot goalie where it's, oh, that. The team just had the good goalie for three rounds and they're in the Stanley Cup finals. So that's right. that's stupid. That's why I don't want to watch hockey. Well, there's lots of reasons I, I don't want to watch hockey. But <laughs> I, I think the I think the the goaltender thing is a little more, in my opinion, equated to getting a, like a hot quarterback play for a few weeks uh, or a few games, I should say, in the NFL. I do think in the NBA, because it's best of seven series, it's a little harder for a team just to like the heat to do what they did. But to what we were just discussing, you look at game seven of the Celtics series, the Celtics shot what? Like one of 17 to start that game from three and the heat didn't. And like, that was that. So when I look at this whole heat thing, and I've been thinking about this a lot during these playoffs specifically, the thing about, well, the heat culture and their winners and they have, you know, Jimmy's such a winner until he chokes in the finals. I agree with you. It kind of is just, it's luck to an extent, as much as I hate to use that word, there is an element of luck to this. Um, and with the Sixers, that's why, and I think that's probably why I'm more defensive of the Sixers. Cause I agree with you. I don't want to just make excuse after excuse. And I probably go down that path more than I should because they didn't show up in game seven and they haven't made it out of the second round. And I don't know if they would duel out duel Durant and Booker. Those are all fair points. But I also, I also think that this, this reaction from some people of, well, Jokic is a winner and Embiid's a loser. And Embiid only cares about the regular season MVP. And the Sixers will never win with Embiid as their guy. I think what you just said is why I hold on to hope is if the Sixers can just get hot for four more days than they have in the past you know, series, I think that's the difference. Or if the Sixers get 
a good playoff break. I mean, you know, the Sixers did lose to a higher seed Celtics. They did lose to the higher seeded Heat last year. Oh my God, so with the higher seeds. They I did. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I mean, this I, well, I'm just saying it's not like when they lost to the Hawks. That was a that was a choke job. I don't think the Celtics or Heat losses were choke jobs. Do you agree with that? Did you watch that Celtics game seven and game six, man? Come you on. You picked the Celtics to win the series in six. You can still choke in a series that prior to it happening, people picked against you. Like that was very odd. You you can't say they lose in game six on their home floor and then they turn in that performance in game seven or that I was going to use a different word, but that I chose <laughs> not to turn in that performance in game live. seven and not call that a, a choke job. That I mean, here's what I'm going to say. The only anti-Jokic thing I'll say Finally, on this podcast. I cannot stand and i would apply this to jimmy butler what he said with his hall of fame bullshit uh i'm loving where you're going with this this whole idea that it's like it's poison that people can't even pretend to like or enjoy anything about having success if you look at nikola Jokic's body of work and his skills and how good he is at basketball he very obviously cares about his craft and, and being good at it. And to get to this level and climb the mountaintop and have people declaring you the best player in the league, to be the finals MVP, the back-to-back MVP prior to the season, and to act like none of it matters, that you would just rather be horse racing, like, then why fucking bother, man? I agree. What is, what is the point? If you can't enjoy your success – it. It goes from, I can actually understand not wanting to get deep in the weeds on the individual stuff. And if you just watch how he plays, I get that he tries to view it through a, it's a team first thing. If I make my teammates better, we're going to win. And that's what I care about. Well, then when you win, because you're making your teammates better and also individually performing well, and you win the title and you act like you just like, I don't know, you went to... Yeah. Get your car insurance renewed or you went like, to the like DMV it was a or random something. Thursday win over the Hornets or like it was, what yeah. What do we do? It, that, I, all this is derived from all these people trying to mock or not mock, trying to imitate like Kobe Bryant or like Michael Jordan, who they, mm-hmm. they think these guys are like robotic. Oh, it's always about the next thing. It's, Michael Jordan fucking cried in the yeah. locker room. Part of that's because of the loss of his father connected to that championship and things like mm-hmm. that. But that meant so much to him climbing the mountain that he broke down in tears. And I'm not saying Jokic or anybody else has to go up there after they win a title and act a certain way. Like you, I'm not saying you have to be programmed any specific way. But I just hate that we've gotten to this point in sports culture that nobody thinks that they can enjoy anything and they have to put on this facade where it's like oh no i don't care about this it this doesn't really matter it's it's of course it matters dude if it doesn't then just fucking retire and go back to serbia and run your horse farm or whatever the fuck you want to do in jimmy's case go run your coffee company try to have fun try to do do there's no reason to play basketball as a profession other than making you know tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, definitely yeah. appreciate that. Good but if you can't enjoy playing a game for a living, what are we doing here? What's the mm-hmm. point? And I agree with the whole Jimmy Butler being like, I probably won't go to the Hall of Fame if I get in. Come on, man. That's such a load of shit. Your biggest life achievement 
you know, you could argue like it's more, it's a better team into winning a title. I, it's just, it's insane that you wouldn't go to that. If I ever win anything, I will hundred percent be there. Anyone listening that wants to give me a award, I promise I will show up and be very excited about it. But I agree overall, this whole thing, you know, this is, and I'll use an Eagles analogy here. When Jalen didn't win MVP and the Eagles fans like, well, who cares? It's not like, like, I just, I wish people would be, you know, confident enough to just say they care about things again. Cause I think there's a little bit of it of like, it's not the cool thing to do to your point. It's trying to imitate what they've seen. It's okay to care about stuff. It's okay to be invested in it. It's okay to put a lot of work in and then act like you care when you achieve this, this massive, you know, now I know the nuggets ring is fake and no one cares, but it's still, oh it's still, a, it's still a massive accomplishment. Right, let's just move on to Sixers them. stuff. Cause I, I can't All do right. the nuggets stuff with you anymore. I did have one more Jokic and B question for you, but maybe we okay. can. All no, right. One more and then okay. we'll. So, so just, I think all season in these last few years, we have debated who is better, Embiid or Jokic. And there have certainly been times when you've been on the Embiid side, and I think it's safe to say now you are on the Jokic side. Not side, but you consider him a better player right now. Just answer for me, why do you think Jokic is a better player than Embiid? Because Embiid is better on defense. He, I think he's a better scorer. I know Jokic doesn't shoot as much. So I'm just like, I'm not debating you. I'm asking you. Why would you classify Jokic as a better individual player than Embiid? Because his weaknesses do not impact his ability to produce at the highest level. Like we can talk, we can say Joel was the leading scorer in the NBA. Boston found ways to turn him into an ineffective scorer in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Nobody, the only person who even remotely slowed down Jokic was Rudy Gobert. And he beat him in five games. And that was kind of a joke of a series. So I, I just, I don't see the argument for it anymore. It's like so for this guy to go. I, I just I don't even, sorry. Unless Joel can produce in the playoffs, there's just no real debate anymore. That was the whole thing. Was that okay? We could say neither one of these guys have really done anything that mattered in the playoffs. You could go back and say, well, in the bubble, that doesn't really matter. Or mm. him scoring a bunch of points against the Warriors and lost. Who cares? They lost in the first round. And a lot of similar failures as Joel in terms of how far they got and, and issues that were had. This is the run that cements him. You can very clearly, I, I've said to you on this podcast, I think he's the best offensive player in the NBA. And I would go a step, I think he further cemented that in these playoffs because I think you watch how he's just dissecting these defenses and everything they're throwing at him. There's just no way to stop him. His official, like, his efficiency is just off the charts. Like, we don't have to use advanced stats and stuff. This guy, mm -hmm. raw field goal percentage. Well, what did he shoot in game seven? Like 13 for 18 or something in a finals game? He averaged 30 points a game for the playoffs, shooting 55% from the field. Like yeah. That's incredible. The guy mm -hmm. is incredible. And yes, there are defensive limitations. But his defensive limitations did not matter as much as Joel's did in the playoffs where Jason Tatum rung him up in game seven, just put him in drop or forced him to switch over and over and over again in game seven. And he got absolutely destroyed. There was no such thing to happen to Jokic in these playoffs. So there's just you there's no coherent argument to make that Joel is better than him. There just isn't.
Well, I'll be on from three to four today on WIP trying to make that coherent argument. So if anyone <laughs> wants to, uh, to to come yell at me, feel free. But no, I mean, I think the encouraging thing, and I'll take some glass half full part of this, is I think that when you talk about Jokic, a lot of it is how he sees the game, his passing ability, those things. And hopefully with Nick Nurse and with Joel Embiid, he can get to that point. Because I think physically, Joel can do a lot of the things Jokic does. It's just to your point, the matter of making his teammates better, those things. And hopefully next year, Embiid can take that step forward. And some of my Embiid Jokic tweets won't end up on Old Takes Exposed in another year. So I think they're already on there, buddy. So Oh, don't, that account loves me. They used a Christian Hackenberg, one of mine, yesterday for some odd reason. So plenty, plenty to choose from. But all right. So we'll move on from the finals, thankfully. Um, let's talk about some of the rumors that have been kind of spreading. We haven't done this pod in, in, in about a week. So it seems every day there's some new version of, of a James Harden rumor. Uh, and I guess I would say the latest is probably Stephen A. Smith said that he does not believe the Rockets are willing to give James Harden anything over two years. It doesn't seem like doesn't seem like Harden is going to be getting that max deal that that was once thought of. And at this point, it looks like it could end up being more of a two year deal. And there was also a Phoenix Suns reporter that completely dismissed the idea that Harden could go to the Sun. So we kind of, you know, a month into this are where we started at a little bit. Initially, we thought it would be the Sixers and the Rockets. It looks like it's just the Sixers and the Rockets. The main difference would be money. I, uh, it looks like it might be a two-year deal. Curious where you sit on the Harden thing, You know, deciphering all the tea leaves, anything you've heard, just where you are at with Harden, whether you think he's going to be back. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been telling people since before other people tried to pretend they reported it and it was like a unique thing. I don't think the Sixers are going to pay him the max. Yeah. Now, I think they're willing to give him a pretty sizable contract. And that's the thing, right? All these reports coming out of different markets, whether it's Houston, Phoenix, Philadelphia, there's incentive on the team side to have this stuff out there. This is all a leverage game. To some extent, everybody wants to have their story in the market being, hey, James, we really want you, but I don't know if we want you that much. And it has to be James has to really want to come there. He has to really want to go to Houston. He would have to really want to go to Phoenix. He's going to have to really want to stay with Philadelphia. And I think that's what's been interesting about Nick Nurse's case, essentially, that he's made to Harden is that. He kind of put it on him in that opening press conference where he said, look, man, if you want to win, and I think we have a chance to compete here, this is the place for you to be, and we'd welcome you back. And what he doesn't said, the unspoken part of that is, but if you don't want to win, feel free to take your ass to Houston and, <laughs> and like get the hell out of town right. because we don't have time for people who are half committed. So I think James is probably seeing there's not a lot of trust for him in the broader marketplace right now. I think people value him up to a certain point as they should, as we've said many times, had a very good season in a lot of ways. But when the rubber meets the road in the playoffs, people don't believe they can count on that guy. And you can't go from these extremes of 40 point game, one of the best six playoffs games in, you know, couple of decades yeah. essentially to a guy who looks like he's shaving points a game or two later. So that's kind of the problem for James now is that he's also not the in his prime star that he was when he was having these moments in Houston where you would still say, well, whatever, he's still so good that you have to pay him whatever he wants. Now there's more of a consideration for 
He's at a certain age. He's got the track record he does. He's not going to be the number one guy on a, a very good team. And so you have to draw a hard line. And I think he's realizing that. I think teams are increasingly putting that out there, whether that's, you know, talking to his representation, talking to reporters, whatever it is. I I don't think he's going to get the deal he wants. And so it's going to come down to, does he want to be the president in Houston or does he want to actually try to win? Um, I think something you said earlier got a bit glossed over, but I thought it, it was it was a good point to the the continuity thing. James Harden is not 27, 28 years old. So while I do think there is continuity that is a benefit for the Sixers, and it's why I would bring James Harden back, you were right that you know the whole crux of this debate amongst fans has been, do you want to commit to him for four years? I think if they can get James Harden on a two-year deal, let's say it's two years, $40 million a year. So he gets a slight increase in his base salary, but he doesn't get that third year, and he, so it's a two-year deal. I think that's an awesome out, uh, outcome for the Sixers because if you look at a two-year contract and maybe there's a player option at the end, which would, would be a big deal, but let's just say it is actually only a two-year deal. You basically get him for next year, and I think we would both walk into next year. The playoff ghosts are certainly part of it, but he played at a high level last year. You don't think he's going to take a dramatic step back one year. I mean, he did improve from his first year to his second year, new head coach, so I think there's reason to be optimistic he could play better next year than he did last year. So you get him on that one-year deal. And then the second year, he's a massive expiring contract, so you don't have to worry about him being a, a huge burden on, on your salary cap uh, for that year. So I actually think, A, things are playing out really well for the Sixers, but I would also take a step back and curious for your opinion on this. I think a, a big worry heading into the, the offseason was, well, Daryl Morey is just going to reinvent the Rockets. He's going to hire Mike D'Antoni. He's going to give James Harden whatever he wants. And I actually think Daryl Morey is playing this pretty perfectly. And I think he deserves credit for, for this. I think this idea that he was going to do whatever James wanted has not happened, it seems. He's not signed a deal yet, knock on wood. It does not seem like we're going to get a break all of a sudden that he's getting a four-year max deal. It seems like Daryl Morey is essentially calling James Harden's bluff and saying, all right, you think Houston's interested? They're going to give you that money? Go get it. Go get it. And it doesn't seem like it's there. So I think, A, a two-year deal for Harden is a great outcome for the Sixers because you get to run it back with a good player and you get continuity. And I also think Daryl Morey deserves credit for, at least from the outside looking in, seeming to play this at, at, you know really well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give any credit out until – the smoke actually clears. I agree with that. Yeah. You you can say a lot of things and, and posture a lot of ways until the the contract is signed by Harden, whether it's here or elsewhere. We can't really say, oh, he's winning. It's it's just a it's a public relations battle right mm -hmm. now. Now to your point, the stance that I think the organization is taking is the right one. And I do think if we just look strictly at the coach that they hired. I think that is a good example. I, I agree with you. I think D'Antoni, if they had signed him or brought him in instead of nurse, then you look at it and say, all right, man, what's going on here? Are yeah. we just catering to James and we're doing everything to appease him? So on and so forth. So I think that was the first good sign that he's just looking at it as who's the best option for us to hire? Who's the best guy that we can get? I thought that was nurse thought they brought in the right guy. And so we'll see on the Harden stuff. It only takes one of these teams blinking and deciding, you know, Tillman Fertitta in Houston, the owner, might just say, 
no, screw it. We're going to pay him as much as he wants. I just want to put butts in the seats. And then there's real pressure on the Sixers. I think part of the reason they can take this position is that they seem to have the read elsewhere that James isn't going to get money. If somebody else changes their position, then the Sixers are in a much tougher spot. They can't play hardball anymore. They can't say, hey, we'll go to Houston and you know get a better offer. You can't. So some of this is just the market forces right now. And none of these teams look like they want to bid against themselves or even against other people right now. But that's one of those things that we might get to you know, late June and that could change in an instant. So it's it's tough to say, but as of right now, they're playing this the way that I think they should. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, so Nick Nurse was on, I believe it was the Brian Windhorst uh, pod, talking about you know the job and bead, and he kind of got into a little detail about his meeting with James Harden. And he said, you know, he's an incredibly smart basketball guy. And I thought it was interesting just reading my read on it. He kind of discussed Harden as if he's already back and on the team. And I guess he is still under contract, so there's that reason to do it. But curious, A, if you heard the interview or the clips and what you thought of it, but B, do you, what do you think about the fact that Harden met with Nurse? I mean, that seems encouraging for anyone that wants Harden back, right? Yeah, it's good. It's, you know, probably bare minimum for the new coach to meet with the guys who played on the well, team last gone, season. Though. Yeah. Yeah, but so I don't read too much into it. I think Nurse's whole thing so far has essentially been to say, I'm going to coach the team I have next year that he hasn't mm-hmm. committed himself too hard to any kind of strategy or style as we talked about after his initial presser i also thought something that was interesting coming out of that podcast appearance on the hoop collective was that he said something to the effect of they weren't there weren't going to be big sweeping changes to the harden and Embiid stuff because it works and he's not going to come in and just say well we need to strip this down to the nails and we're going to throw this thing out that works that it's more going to be about iteration and, you know, building on that and building second side actions and getting other guys involved. And, you know, that I thought was kind of interesting because if you're talking about the sales pitch to Harden, that's not what James wants to hear. He allegedly wants to hear it's more about me. Like I want more offensive freedom. I want this, I want that. And, I don't know if that's actually James's position. That seems like maybe an exaggeration of what he wants, considering how much he touched the ball all season. But yeah, I think Nurse is coming in and he's setting a pretty firm tone where it's like, you're going to be a big piece of this, but we're also not just going to cater everything to you. Just like we're not going to cater everything to Joel or Tyrese or anybody who will be on the team. So I look forward to... Now I, I'm assuming talking about this whole Bradley Beal. Yeah, I figured that would be the next that, uh, uh, <laughs> that's happened over the last day or two because of Bill Simmons. Um, all right. Well, let's get let's get right into that. Uh Bradley Beal. Um, there is a report, obviously, from Bill Simmons. I call it a report. It was more, I guess we could call it informed speculation, but basically saying that he thinks Bradley Beal is gonna get traded. He would put the Sixers at like minus two hundred to acquire them, uh, to acquire Bradley Beal. He views Brad, them as the heavy favorite if he is to get moved uh, to trade for him. He mentioned Tobias Harris and some draft picks to get the deal done. Uh, I'll give I'll give you my take on this first. Um, 
So I do think if Bradley Beal is traded, it could be to the Sixers. And because, A, I think that there is some logic from the Wizards just to get out from that Beal contract. And Tobias is an expiring deal. There might be other expiring deals that are available, but Tobias is a decent player on a massive contract that I think fits into almost any team and is probably good for a team that's tanking in the way that he's not going to really change outcome of your season. I think Bradley Beal for the Sixers makes some sense. Joel Embiid is close with him, or at least reportedly. I don't know if they are still close, but they have been throughout their time. He wanted him prior to the Harden trade. And I think Beal on the court, there's some positives and some negatives. One of the negatives is he's kind of a duplicate of Maxi, only older and more expensive and probably not as good of a shooter. But the positive is I do think he is somebody that could give you like what Harding did in game one and game four. I think he's someone that has that upside of up oh, Bradley Beal dropped 35 tonight. So they win. I think he's inconsistent as a shooter. He's probably not as good as he used to be, but as a change of scenery guy and coming to Philadelphia, I could see him improving. His shooting did bounce back a little bit last year. He was 36% after shooting in the low thirties for a few years. So the contract's an issue, but if you're going to bring back Harden, I think turning Toby into Beal is not a, not not the worst move, and I think it gives them in some ways a, a bit of a higher ceiling if you go in with Harden, Maxi, Beal, and Embiid as your top four. So let me just start with the reporting side of this. I'm not going to say it won't happen because I've learned the hard way at times that you mm-hmm. can't be declarative about these things. You never know. Again, it's the same thing with the Harden contract. Somebody might wake up tomorrow. Beal submits a trade request. The Wizards' new front office already seems like they're entertaining a, a real rebuild more so than any other front office there in the last you know, 10, 15 years or so. So maybe things change. I do not think the Sixers are trading for Bradley Beal. I have pretty strong inclination that they're not that interested in him. I would say the first big problem is the contract. Yep. And the reason you would be able to get him in a Tobias-centric deal, is that in 2026-27, now he will have a player option, but I'd be shocked if he's good enough over the next few years to turn this down and hope for a better deal. He has a player option for 2026-27 for $57 million. And he is going to make, at minimum, $46.7 million over the next three years with a crescendo before the player option at 53.6 million in 2025-26. I think there's a decent case that's one of the worst current contracts in the league mm-hmm. when you consider that since Beal had his back-to-back 30-point seasons, he hasn't been healthy. He's played a total of 90 games over the last two years. His scoring's gone down to about 23 points a game, which is fine, but when you're the guy on a bullshit team in Washington, scoring 23 points a game on Okay, efficiency in 21-22 and good efficiency in 22-23, but again, deck chair on the Titanic. I just I don't really see the vision for him as one of your most important guys on a title team. And if you're talking about whether it's a situation where Harden is still here and they try to build a super team as the league is trying to disincentivize teams from building super teams or Harden leaves and you're looking to retool and still compete, I think in either option, it's not great because 
I think the defensive backcourt with him and Harden would be a level of apathy that would surpass any defensive apathy we've ever seen in basketball before. <laughs> At least in a Maxi Beal backcourt, you could say, well, Maxi will compete. He'll still be probably bad a lot of the time, but he's shown progress and he'll at least compete. Whereas I think Beal is in that Damian Lillard category where he is a destructively bad defender and a sneakily bad defender. I don't know if he's quite as bad as Trey Young, who I've said on this podcast is the single, maybe the single worst defender in the entire NBA, which is yeah. different than just being a bad defender. So I don't love Beal. I didn't love Beal when he was not on a $50 million a year contract. I, I think he's a good offensive player, not a great one. Somebody who has a rep as a shooter and has been basically average as, as a shooter for most of his career. Does that change if you change a shot diet to more catch and shoot looks and he's playing off of Embiid versus being the guy and shooting more pull-up shots and whatever? Maybe, but also if you're bringing him here, especially in a hardenless future, that means he's going to take a lot of those pull-up jumpers. That He's going to be taking these shots that have led to him being kind of a inefficient chucker at times. Like that's just who he's been. That's the kind of guy that he has been. So, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not in love with him. And frankly, I don't think the Sixers like him a ton. And that's part of the reason they traded for James Harden rather than going after yeah. Beal. But we'll see. Like to your point on the change of scenery, you never know what a guy will be like in a different situation. And sometimes it's just a matter of Andrew Wiggins was a great example. You put him on Golden State and he's more of a role player rather than being the guy or one of the guys in Minnesota. Suddenly his game makes sense and his tendency to float through games isn't as apparent anymore. So maybe Beal has a, a bump up playing somewhere else, but that is a really risky an expensive bet to make. And my suspicion is they're not going to make it for one reason or another. Yeah. I think Beal is a player where, you know, about a few months ago when this or not even a few months ago, like, you know, six weeks ago, we started to think about what could they do? What would the moves Beal is somebody that you hear the name and you go, Oh yeah, I would definitely do it for sure. But when you actually look into what he is, I think early on in his career, he, he earned that right. Whereas now he is not, the name is not there. I think an interesting point, and I'll give a, a credit to my friend Kevin. We spent like eight hours debating this yesterday. Beal is like the flashy move. He's the guy that can maybe get you 35 points on a random night. But if you look at the fit, and this was an interesting stat, he only shot around 12% of his shots were catch and shoot threes last year. So he's not somebody that's going to fit into what you want. Whereas Buddy Heald, let's use him as an example. Not a big name, not the like scorer guy. Like 43% of his shots were, were that. So if you look at a fit in terms of if they're going to go around Harden and Embiid and try to keep things relatively the same, like uh, Nick Nurse said, I think you could argue that while he's not the name and he has a way better contract, Buddy Heald is maybe a better Tobias target than, than um, uh, Bradley Beal would be. So it'll be interesting to see if they just go for the star power, if they go for just adding someone that could potentially be the guy in a game or if they still try to build around the Embiid Harden thing. So before we wrap this up, just the last question I have for you, because we haven't been able to record uh, in a week or so, outside of the Harden thing, outside of the the Bradley Beal thing, just curious, like, as you think about the Sixers, if you look at, look at the reports and the tea leaves, is there anything you think we should keep our eye on or maybe a player you think would make sense for them or something you think has been interesting that maybe people aren't talking about or 
Is it still pretty much Harden if he comes back and then they just figure out what to do with Toby? The one thing I would say is that the Raptors people that I know seem, I don't, I wouldn't say convinced is a strong word. A lot of Raptors people seem to think that Fred Van Vliet is coming to Philadelphia or that he's, wow. he's looking strongly at Philadelphia. Now, I don't think the Sixers would pay him the money that he seems to want. And I think he's more of a, that's like a Houston backup plan. If Harden doesn't come there, that's the sort of team I could see giving Van Vliet tons of money. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird. I just, I keep, and people that I trust reporter wise, raising a lot of eyebrows at Van Vliet's comments about Nick Nurse this off season. And, obviously just declined his player options and so now he's on the open market. So I guess that's something to keep an eye on whether he would make sense or not. I think we touched on a little bit, but that might be, we'll wait on a bigger discussion if he actually gets tied to the Sixers in some way. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. Otherwise, man, I just put out a piece yesterday. I hadn't realized this is going to be the first time in Sixers NBA history that they don't make a draft pick unless they wow. trade into the first or second round somehow, even in years where they traded the pick away on draft night or something, they have had a pick to draft and trade in conjunction with some kind of trade. So this could be a first They're They're about to break a 73 year streak of drafting. So that's, uh, well, that's pretty impressive, honestly. Hopefully next year they break the 73 year streak of not getting out the second round. So it can be a year of, uh, <laughs> of breaking, breaking. I have to check the math on that one. You have a new, <laughs> new definition of 73. Um, any final thoughts for you before we wrap this up? No. Uh, I did have one thing I did want to say at the end here. Um, so Rich Hoffman yesterday tweeted that he's no longer covering the Sixers. And I can speak as a Sixers fan, but also as a reporter, I know that for fans, following a team, obviously we love the stars and the wins and the coaches and all that stuff, but the beat writers are a big part of that. And Rich has been a really big part of the Sixers coverage for the last few years. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. He does a phenomenal job. I'm sure he will be covering, if not the Sixers, another team very soon. Rich, you're always welcome on the pod. And uh, just wanted to say that for the fans that I know of and enjoyed his coverage. If you're listening to this pod, you've probably followed him. You've probably read his work. So just wanted to uh, to give a shout out to him to uh, to end the pod. I'm glad you brought that up because I agree with you. Rich does a, a great job. He's been a big part of you know, a lot of the people who yeah. know me, read me, listen to me came up at the same time as Rich. Rich and I are, I'd say, very good friends on the beat. I spent a lot of time with him before games, during games, after games, talking about this stuff, see the game in a lot of the same ways. And, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that happens in our industry. As you said, I'm sure he's going to bounce right back. I've already talked to him. He's got the right attitude about it. But, you know, obviously uh, thinking about our guy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad yeah. glad we were able to carve out, like, 45 seconds of time for the home. Exactly, game. and at the very end. So, you know, we had to do it for him. But, Rich, if you ever want to come on and I can yell at you about Nick, uh, Nicola Simmons and all that stuff, you are you are more <laughs> than more than welcome to. So, Thank you to everybody that listened. Um, we're going to try to come back with another pod this week. Uh, you know, maybe hard news, maybe more rumors, maybe that type of stuff. So um, once again, make sure you download the Odyssey app. Make sure you leave that five-star review. Really appreciate them. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, this has been another edition of Clap Your Hands, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
to you guys soon.